Hey folks, it's Jalen. So this one doesn't need an introduction because I already did the introduction when I released it. So enjoy. Hey folks, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. This episode is another one of my friends sharing their coming out story. And this comes from Fred. He is uh, a theater major at the university that I graduated from and he has an interest in directing. In the episode, we talk about his coming out to his family, and also we talk in great detail about his web series called Nonfiction that I had the opportunity to help out on. And then we sort of end on a conversation about um, black creators and black queer creators uh, sharing their art. And it's just, I I really had a lot of fun um, doing this interview. And um, I hope you guys like it. Thank you for tuning in. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Um, t- with me, I have another one of my friends here to tell um, their coming out story. Um, and Fred, can you uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Hello, my name is Fred. Um, <laughs> generally, I am a student director and I just created a well, series called Nonfiction, so I'm enjoying writing and directing and acting, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely um, let you talk about nonfiction a little bit um, after you tell your story. But um, so yeah, just, let's get right into it. What what's your what was coming out like for you? Okay, for me, it was generally easy. I guess. I mean. Growing up, most people always, like, I was always a small kid, and I was always very isolated, and I just allowed a few people into my, uh, like, my inner circle, my inner, like, thing. So, growing up, people always just always assume, because, like, I'm a small black kid, so it's like, they were like, oh, he must be gay, because, like, he's small, Hmm. or he must be somewhat, like, queer or whatever because he's a small guy he doesn't involve like he never goes after girls he never goes after guys so like I'm gonna just assume he's gay because growing up in a small town where everybody is bound to come a shrimper or fisherman or welder <laughs> and I was very artistic so people are always like oh wow he just plays instruments and likes to do theater so he's bound to be gay so growing up I was like never really had a story until like last summer I was like you know what let me just finally say what how I feel about my sexuality and I was like I feel like it was all like I made this whole Instagram post because like Instagram is like the perfect place to do these things and I was just like so I've always felt like no matter who I'm around no matter who I'm with it doesn't really matter to me so I was like I'm pansexual so I don't care about gender. I don't care about what you identify as. As long as you are who you are with me, we're cool. I'll go after you. If I feel like I want a guy, if I feel like I want a girl, I'll go after them. Like, it really didn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got a good response. And because, like, in my family, there's people that were... I grew up around people that identif- that were lesbian, and I grew up around people that were gay. And for them, it's not really a much of a struggle. So I guess you could say, though, so 
some people, some people in my family, like my close family, they are, um, they're very conservative. They have very conservative views. They're more worried about who the person is than like what they identify as or who they have sex with. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the good thing about my family, though. Like when it gets like politically, like we have different views, but like they're generally just like I care about more your well being than who you fuck. So. So it was. So it was a. It was was a good experience coming out to your family, even explaining to them about your pansexuality. Generally, my thing is, I really like. I just posted on Facebook. I really. And that's how they found out, or. Pretty much, like, (laughs) like, and my thing is, people are always gonna. I'm never gonna give people. I'm never gonna tell people my full story. Uh huh. The thing about me is, like, I love to let people assume things. And I will let them assume things because, like, all through your whole life, you are going to just assume they know exactly who you are, exactly your being, mm-hmm. everything about you. So I just let them assume. So, like, they still, like, there's, there's still, like, some, these question mark feelings about me, like, who I like and who I go after. Because, like, I never was, like, in high school or middle school, I was never, like, intentionally going after people. I was just like, I'm here to do whatever I want to do. I'm here to do my work, work on theater, do band. I was not, like, normal kids and, like, going out trying to find someone to date or someone that's grew. So they're always, like, that question mark surrounding me. People didn't really understand, like, my sexuality until, like, I wrote nonfiction. And then people were like, oh, so that's what you think. Ah, now I see. So would so well, yeah. Let's talk about nonfiction. So so you so would you say, you know, sitting down and writing nonfiction and producing it, um, that allowed you to better express your sexuality or to better find it. What what do you think? Well, each character has like this um, has somewhat of my identity in them. But the character that I really tried to mold after myself, but like with Ari, and the reason I did that with Ari and Quinn are probably the ones that I most define myself after. And it's because like I did cross dressing when I was younger. Hmm. And so like that, that had an influence on me because it's like I didn't care what people, well, because like in behind the scenes, like I always felt like. If I was a girl, I would be prettier. I would be more understood. People would like me more because, like, I'm a small black kid. And, like, unless you're playing basketball or football and you're and you're black, you don't really matter. Because hmm. that's the way it's, like, growing up here that everybody else at school. So, and Ari shows, like, the more religious side of me. So, like going to church every Sunday getting condemned when I know like yeah I kiss girls yeah I kiss guys yeah like yeah I've done this and that so and you go to church every Sunday you're just like oh my god like does God love me like I keep hearing his people condemning me every single Sunday so I'm just like oh no and so when I wrote that it was like this breaking point where it's like I really should not care about what they have to say. 
about me because this is my life, my journey. So I get to pick and choose what I want hmm. out of people and out of life. Yeah. And so when I was writing it, it was, it's probably like the most emotional point of my life. I've never cried so much in my life until I wrote that. And because it's like, it was time for me, it was time for me to find my identity, find who I truly am. And because it's 2018, it's like people 30, 40 years before us struggled for our rights. People like Marsha P. Johnson, Sylvia Rivera, they struggled yeah. and they persevered for us to have our rights today. Mm-hmm. So why am I trying to hide myself mm-hmm. when they were out in the front fighting for us? Yeah. So I think that's the most important thing for me now. And just to say, I don't care. This is who I am. If you like it or not, you don't have to be in my life. So could you explain, could you co- sort of walk me through, or could you sort of tell um, everyone a little bit about what nonfiction is and sort of just walk me through your creative process? My creative process for nonfiction First, well, first tell every, first tell everyone a little bit about what it is. Like, what's the storyline? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! So, what's the storyline of nonfiction? Um, so nonfiction is a queer Southern web series. Um, it takes place during the summer in Alabama, and there's these roommates, and there's these roommates, and then there's these church. Um, everybody's interconnected basically, because they're either roommates, boyfriend or girlfriend, church members, so they're all interconnected. So over the summer, pretty much one of the roommates gets assaulted, and that roommate also has a girlfriend, he also has a secret, hiding a secret from his girlfriend. Then another roommate's like going through depression, another roommate is uh, trying to figure out what to do about, um, being discriminated um, from being being discriminated and paying too much rent for some, for a house that's not really worth it. And so all these roommates are going through their battles, like their own little like turmoil. Um, turmoil. So generally, I want to portray like the life of a queer person. Like I want to portray something that's like more natural like everyday life not like just a sexualized mm. life of uh, a queer person because I feel like that's been done so much yes yes we have sex yes we go out and party but like I wanted to see like the everyday life like it's not like we only thing we we live and do is just have sex and I feel like that's seen so much that it's like it's boring yeah. and also I wanted to have a cast of that half color and half um, Caucasian because I feel like it's important to see like to see what everybody else goes through plus it's like Alabama so you're not going to get like it's not a melting pot so mm. getting half color and half white was pretty uh, pretty much a good thing I, I don't know so what so yeah so walk me through your creative process so uh, you told a little bit about you know, um, why you wrote the show, but how did it come to you? And then how did you go about, I guess, producing it and everything? So 
So, um, 12.01, December 27, 2017, because I know that that time and date, um, I finished Queer Folk. And, okay, Queer Folk was groundbreaking for its time. The problem with it, it was whitewashed. And though I love the show, and I love a lot of um, movies and films that are about queer people, however, it's always white men. It's always a white narrative. And I'm just like, okay, look, what about the black narrative? What about them? Like, there's few black films and black film narratives about queer people because black, because um, like in most black communities, they try to forget that there's queer people. And that, so I decided, hey, I'm not doing much. <laughs> so I decided to write something, and I was like, I wanted to, I was like, I want to write something about queer people. And the idea to have a drag queen, and to have, like, the idea for us to have a drag queen, to have, to buy religion, and to buy all mental health came from, like, me. And I was like, I was like, I wanted to get something that feels for me because it shows it's more natural because it's something that can be empowering. So when I was writing it, I wrote it throughout the course from January to March up until like the day I left for filming. I wrote, I wrote it, and I kept asking for feedback, and I kept getting people like, keep writing, keep writing, keep writing. But like, I just wanted to write something that was like good for Alabama and that like shows that like not all of us are like condemning people that are LGBTQ plus in Alabama there's actually a good amount of people that are liberal and that, that believe that everybody deserves a voice and I didn't recognize that I actually had a voice until I started writing it hmm. because I always feel like I will always be in the background I was just like this little techie or this little light operator or this like ensemble and member. I was like, I've never been in the front. So when I finally did an audition, I was like, I'm kind of put myself out there to put myself in the front. And when it came to casting it, so pretty much, I think the cast members know this. So four of the members of the cast were already pre-casted. I already knew I was going to get them. I was like, nope, there's no way I'm not going to get these people. So Quinn, who is played by my best friend, John Chris Ward, he was already to recast. I was like, I'm getting him. I, I don't care what he says. Um, another role that was casted was on JD, which is played by Anna, and who's also the executive producer. I was already like, I know, I was like, I know she can do this role. I know that she has my back. So... I added her. So, and then another person was Hayden. I specifically wrote that role for uh, Bev. I wanted her to have it. I was like, there's no other way. And Elliot, I didn't write Elliot in until like late January. I didn't, I just wanted it to be like a guest, like reoccurring. But then I thought more about like, I talked to him on the phone and I was like, I want him to do more. And I want I was like, because at first I didn't see it as more of an ensemble. I saw it as more Ari and Quinn are the main characters. But then it, they, I was like, the David came in, I was like, yep, they're going to get wrote in. So my role, Lincoln, 
Ari, Skyler, and Parker, I did not know who was going to get those roles. Originally, Brooke was supposed to play Skyler. Hmm. And Ari, I was like, I didn't know who. I, I didn't know. But Chris, but Chris told me, but I give him props for filming this. He was like, what about Labrina? And I was like, oh, okay. So I switched those roles around. I thought about adding myself in last minute because I was like, this I wanted because I was this was a quick project, so I was like, you know what, I can just go ahead and add myself in. It's because I was like, there's no way someone's gonna be available for three days without pay, and it's gonna be like, it's gonna, it's gonna be real rapid, and everybody's like trying to enjoy spring break. So I was like, yeah, I can just add myself in. And Ryan, who is Ari. I didn't know he was going to say yes, because I was scared. I was like, this is great white man. And I was like, okay, well, I need someone to play Ari. And I thought about all the people that I've met in Montebello, and Chris helped me with this also, uh, and he told me about Ryan. So having Ryan play Ari was probably the funniest thing ever, because it's like, Ari has so many of my traits, and just seeing Ryan portray that is was like kind of fun and awesome just to see that. So casting it was pretty fun, but like actually seeing their reactions to the script was actually pretty nice because you know as a writer you never know like what you're writing is good mm. until you have like feedback. I feel like you know this. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know if it's like good. Until you're getting like this feedback from them, and you're just like, "Yeah, this is good. This is awesome." So you're gonna just keep going, and so it was a pretty fun, quick project. Did it for three days, and the rest is history. Now we're submitted for thirteen film festivals. So yeah, it got it got views all over the country and the world. So. It's yeah. been pretty nice. Yeah, so talk talk a little bit about um I guess the reception <laughs> of the the series. It, was it did you, did it get received the way that you wanted it to? Are you expecting more? Were you expecting not as much or what? I'm negative. I'm a negative person. I ain't gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very I'm extremely negative. <laughs> so when I so when the first episode premiered, I was nervous cuz I was like no one's going to watch this. I was like, nobody likes me as a person as it is. I was not going to watch this. So, but like, within the first 12 hours, we got over 800 views. And I was like, oh, shit. Who who are these people watching this? Um, so, and it got received very well. And it was surprising because I was like, wow, this means people like watching my art. So it's kind of cool. And it's also um, because all these bands and they all the bands that um, I that are featured, they were telling me how great they liked, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's huh. good!" Yeah, I was just like, "It was it's been pretty fun and crazy because they're all because the bands are from all over the country, and there's a band from Sweden, and he was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to watch!" And I was like, "Well, well, well, we did something here." Hmm. And so, what? What's the what are are there? What's the future for nonfiction? Talk a little bit about that. Oh no, I'm 
nonfiction. I decided as the executive producer and director, with also help from the other executive producer, that the future of nonfiction is very undetermined. I love doing nonfiction, but for the past six months, the past six months of like preparing this, to writing this, to like filming this, to promoting this every single day for the past six months is very draining. Yeah. So, and for me, I I mean, I love every moment of it. I love seeing people like share things I do. It's like, it's very fun. It's very fun. Like all good and great, but it's draining just to like wake up, think my knowledge and wake up, share something like it's draining. And it's like, okay, I want to take a break. So I talked to the cast and they were pretty much open to like doing a film or doing a second season. But I told them the other day that I wanted to not pursue anything non-fiction. And it's hard for me to talk about, it's hard for me to say that because it's like, so I know someone's going to ask, like, oh, but you got a great response, but like, but you know, all these views, you got like, people love it. And I'm like, but for me as a writer and director, if you're very uncertain about what, like, what's the net, like chapter four then you should probably not pursue it and the thing is it's like it's not like we're a part of like this major like distribution like distribution or like we're not part of like no like company where they say you got to do an another season or a film or something it's like very self-produced so i feel happy with what i have and so in a future is in a future is like I will be happy to do more, but only if I'm at that point in life where I'm like, we need to do something more. I have a story. I know we can do this. I know that it's going to be worth to do it. I don't want to just do something just because people want it. Because mm. I wrote nonfiction for myself. Mm. I didn't write it for people, for everybody else. Mm. Because when I, I watched, um, like I watched every episode back to back. And I was, and one thing that surprised me is how much I enjoyed watching it myself. Hmm. And I try to think, what if I did another season? Would I enjoy it as much? And I was like, I was like, probably not, because I'm not in that point where I'm like, I need something else not fix. Hmm. I, I feel like as a story, because my overall job in life is to become, is to be a storyteller. I love telling stories, whether it's on, on screen or, like, behind the scenes. So, I feel like I want to do pursue something else for now. But in the future, if the rest of the cast and crew, including you, <laughs> is like, yeah, we should do something more, then, like, we should do it. Yeah. But hmm. I, it, it's one of those things where you just got to be... It's got to be at the right time, the right place, and everybody's heart has to be in it. Now, it just can't be like this whole 50, 40, 10, 90 situation. Because that's the one thing about nonfiction. When we all decided to do it, everybody's heart was in it. Now, if I'm sad to say that my heart's not in it, and to do it like a second season. But 
already been it and everybody else has already been it, I know it's going to work. Hmm. So what what advice do you have to um, maybe queer folks who are wanting to, you know, tell their own stories where they're not really sure how to do it? Um, what advice do you have for those folks? Uh, my advice is don't let your circumstances define what stories you tell. Hmm. Generally, when I mean when I what I mean when I say that is, you can be in the best place in life or the worst place in life. A beautiful story can come out of any of those places. You don't have to be like down or up or anything. You can always tell a beautiful story. Don't don't let no one tell you like you cannot you cannot do this or this is not possible. No. You got to listen to your own self and and surround yourself with people that are willing to make your project happen. If you keep thinking about everybody else and what they're doing and like how how many views they're getting or how many how their response is, like it's not going to work out for you. Mm. You have to listen to yourself more than everybody else. Mm. Also, like especially if you're a person of color, you should definitely consider telling your own narratives because I'm sick of watching uh, the same people on the screen that are Caucasian again and again and again and I'm sick of these whitewashed narratives about queer people. I'm sick of people that are trans not getting roles because a straight white man got it or a straight gay or or a gay man got it, a gay white man got it. So I want to see people that are trans Define, like define the entertainment business if I get pushed aside because everybody's so worried about being on top being number one or getting this many views no don't worry about that because you if it's your story that's what makes it beautiful no matter how many views I got for nonfiction I didn't care for it because you know Eric because I knew I had people behind my back. So, as a person of color, everybody should, like, have, everybody else has their own narrative. I feel like they should share that narrative, whether it's writing, with art, with music. Share your narrative, because it's powerful. It's not like any other Caucasian narrative. Because we've seen white people be sad in Oprah for over 100 years in the same type of movies that keep getting reproduced and remade trying to make box office history so i'm tired of that and that's why and that's why i'm a storyteller because i want to change that i don't care about the amount of money i care about the story Mm. well fred thank you for for coming on and i wish you well with everything thank you so much hey guys thank you for listening to go black boy go You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Google Play. So don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and leave a review. And once again, thank you for listening to the podcast.